Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Welcome to Corks and Conversation with Elizabeth Breck. She's a debut author of Anonymous, which I just loved, and a former PI in California. And I can't wait to talk to her, Kathy. I know. I am so excited. And I agree. I absolutely loved this book. I tore through it in literally less than 20 hours, I think it was. Yeah. I just stopped and read. It was a page turner. It was great. Um. And, but I do want to tell you about, because I'm so excited about Elizabeth's background. She is a licensed, licensed um, private investigator from the state of California. And that's not an easy task. I'm sure she'll tell us about. Um, As a native Californian, she had read Harriet the Spy, one of my favorites too, only 20 times by the time she was nine. (laughs) So it was no surprise that she grew up and became a PI in real life. Um, She worked mainly in the um, insurance investigations industry, which makes her the real-life version of Sue Grafton's hero, um, hero, Kinsey Milhone, another fave. Um, In 2013, um, she decided to go back to school and earned a bachelor's degree in writing, summa cum laude, pardon me, Nice. um, from the University of California, San Diego. And Anonymous is her first novel. And most importantly, really, she lives with a black lab named Hubert, who is her best friend. <laughs> Elizabeth, welcome. It's so nice to talk to Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, I'm so happy to be here. And uh, thank you for the wonderful introduction. Yes, I am a private investigator, not a former private investigator. I'm actually uh, current. I just renewed my license. Ooh, it's so, it's so hard to get that. It's so hard to get that license. I will never let it go. Don't, don't let it up. Exactly. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think before we get into anonymous, which I'm super excited to talk to you about Christy, let's talk about the important things, the wine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, yeah, Elizabeth had suggested, um, leaping horse Chardonnay. There it is. Um, and you had gotten it as a present. I did. Yeah. Actually for a, a, a lunch day present, my neighbor gave it to me. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I was, really I was thinking it might be like an amour somewhere or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it looked like a great wine. Unfortunately, I couldn't get it in, in South Florida, but I did get a, another California Chardonnay. But I want you to go ahead and taste this leaping horse. And um, I will give a little bit of a... Um, uh, tasting notes and you can tell me if it if it tastes like it is it um bright and crisp from start to finish it has citrus highlights to green apples ah yes tropical fruit aromas and flavors definitely and finish with hints of lemon zest wow. a- actually that is exactly absolutely that uh, the apple <laughs> and the citrus and the lemon zest, that's absolutely, it was, I, did you to get that from the website, I assume? Yes. <laughs> because that's exactly, those. yeah, Ooh, that's yeah. exactly it. That that's sounds perfect. very California. Like yeah. that sounds yeah. very, very Southern California. I, did, I didn't look up mine, but I can, I can taste a little lemon zest in mine too. So cheers. 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 I, 
am not drinking wine with you two today. Uh -oh. I am drinking the anonymous cocktail found on Elizabeth's website. So if you go to the website for anonymous and she'll tell us about that later in the, um, in the episode. Yeah. Elizabethbreck.com. Elizabethbreck.com. Thank you. And on the more tab, I think on the far right, you drop down, there's a recipes tab. Yes. And I was like, Oh, what, what is that? What is it? The anonymous cocktail. Are you going to tell right. us, or is it a surprise? Okay. What is it, Kathy? <laughs> it is, She's like too busy drinking it. She's it like, sorry. I actually, I actually yeah, invented you? that because I wanted it to match the color of the book, yeah. um, which it looks a little clear. I know. On, I, feel, I only put she a probably made it too strong or too much gin. <laughs> maybe in there. too much vodka. It's, or is it vodka? It's got a little bit of vodka, I'll tell you. But I didn't yeah. put enough grenadine in it. You know, I didn't. Oh, that's why. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it, pale pink. It's basically like a lemon drop martini, which is my favorite uh, drink with a splash of grenadine. So it just gives it that, um, that sort of, uh, Hello. color. Yeah. And it, it'll put hair in your chest. Probably. <laughs> I need that. I need yeah. that. <laughs> I have water to, to, as a backup too. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> yeah. But That's a good idea on our podcast. I tell oh, you. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Okay. I just sip on mine. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm ready to jump right in. You guys so can keep excited. drinking so that I that your answers are even better. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to start with saying that um, Matt, Madison Kelly is one badass character, and I know she's like your alter ego, and based on many of your. Um, life experiences. Um, therefore, we're guessing you're pretty bad badass as well. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us about a time when you had an adrenaline producing experience as a PI? And maybe do you miss those thrills? Or is writing you writing about the thrills good enough? Well, I, I am still a private investigator. So I still do this work. Um, I, you know, I've, I definitely take a break when I'm, when I'm writing. Um, I have so many adrenaline producing things. Yes. And, and it's kind of the reason that I, I've moved more into writing is because I'm getting older and it's very, it's exhausting. I mean, uh, doing surveillance is exhausting. So, um, I mean, there's one in the book that, well, there's two in the book that really happened. So I don't know if you want me to tell you about one well, of those. If, if it's not a big spoiler, you can tell about one of those. It's not, yeah. it's not a spoiler because um, uh, I think Madison is recalling it in the book, you know, so it's not like it's, it doesn't move the plot forward mm -hmm. necessarily. And one of them has swear words and one of them doesn't. <laughs> so maybe well, I'll do the one. We're all about the swear words. We're, we're, oh, we're, yeah. we can. You don't mind we the swear words. And we swear. We're good. Okay. I don't think we have many kids watching our listen. Okay, good. Podcast, uh, I just always have to check that ahead of time. So yeah. then I'll tell you this one. So, um, so I was doing surveillance. This is when I very first started. So I was a young girl. I was probably 25, 26. I'm doing surveillance in my Toyota Corolla and I'm 5'11", like Madison. So um, that is a tight squeeze. And I was, um, it was probably 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And I was in East LA in a not good part of East LA um, doing surveillance. And the 
the houses were set way far back from the street. And um, basically no one would hear me if I screamed is the point of that. Um, they were set <laughs> way far back in the street, lots of gravel, uh, old cars up on the, on the um, lawns, you know, things like that. And this street was deserted because everybody had driveways. So they were long driveways. And I was there and the sun had just come up and now I'm in the back seat and I have like a little Velcro um, curtain up in between the seats. Um, that's a black like uh, piece of material really. And this is the way I used to do surveillance when I very first started because this is how the guys taught me to do it. And guys have to hide more than I do. Like I can sit in the front seat and nobody's going to ask me what I'm doing. But a guy sitting in the front seat in a neighborhood is going to get the police called on them. Oh yeah. So, this is really how guys do surveillance, but I don't have to do that anymore. But in, this was in the beginning. So I'm in the back seat. I'm completely hidden. My windows are tinted. I mean, if someone came up and put their like hand up against the window with your, your head right there, you could probably see me. But if you're just walking by, you're not going to see me. So there I am doodly do doing just waiting for this guy to come out of his driveway and in uh, a car, you know, so I, it would have, I, I don't really, yeah. have, <laughs> are you so going to climb just, over the seat to get in to drive and follow him? That right? is exactly how I do it. I jump <laughs> into the front seat and uh, this, the curtain comes down, jump into the front seat, start the car and follow them. So I'm sitting there waiting and here comes a guy, just some random guy walking down the street and I'm watching, he's walking towards my car. He was about six feet tall. Um, he looked like a serial killer. I mean, he looked, <laughs> oh my gosh, just when you see like evil sort of radiating off. Of oh, he looks so scary. And um, I'm watching him like, what is he doing? And he's just sort of casually walking down the street at six o'clock in the morning in East LA. I mean, right. It, this is bizarre. So here he goes, do, to do, to do. And as he's getting towards my car, he crosses in front of my car and goes to the driver's side door. And he stops there and I, I am freaking out. Right. I mean, this is a terrifying man. And he's standing right by my driver's door and he's looking around. Oh. And he, I had the windows down about two inches because it was summer. And he puts his hands on the window and starts shoving the window down. No. And I know exactly what's about to happen. He's going to reach his hand in, unlock the door and steal the car with me in the back. With you in it. And oh I'm God. telling you, that would have been an added reward for him. This would not have been a problem for this guy. He was right. terrifying. So I don't know what came into me. It was literally just survival instinct. I go, I lowered my voice as deep as I could get it. And I go, get away from the car, motherfucker. <laughs> and he just dropped his hands to his sides, casually walked away walked down the street. He didn't run. Did that was al almost the scariest part because right. somebody that was just out for a joy ride or something like that would have run. He would have been like, oh right. my God, what have I done? He was like so calm and skilled. He knew oh, don't run. That creepy. makes you guilty. Oh my God. It was Do you still so have nightmares about that? Like the no. fingers on the window? <laughs> no, I don't. Cause I got away probably. That's right. why I got right. away you know, she has, she has dreams of victory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was so scary. Yeah. And that yeah. wasn't even related to surveillance really. I mean, that was just a guy trying to steal my car while I was in it. 
Right. Okay, that is the that's the sales pitch for this book because that's exactly what this book is got just chock full of. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, the, so if we come out to California, can we go like can we like do a ride along? <laughs> sure. I mean, it would be kind of crowded. I think. <laughs> Kathy's really can tiny. She can fit in the back. <laughs> that's right. You can hide in the back. I'll ride in the trunk. <laughs> Oh man, uh, that's a, it's, I mean, that's scary, but I would love to, you know, be, spend a day figuring out how you do all that because that just sounds so fascinating actually. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's old hat to me now. So it's, it, you know, I realize, um, that it, it sounds exciting and I guess it is, you know, I, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I guess it kind of is, but to me, it's just sort of old hat. I'm, I'm sort of used mm-hmm. to it, you know? I guess I watch a lot of cop shows and stuff. So <laughs> I'm like, <gasps> but anyway, yeah, I mean, well, that's it's, cute. It's like, it's like 20 minutes. Oh, no, I would say it's like four hours of intense boredom, sort of Zen, like you get into sort of a meditative state. And then it is 20 minutes of absolute adrenaline rushing, losing your mind, heart beating out of your chest because, um, insurance investigators generally do surveillance by themselves. They follow someone by themselves, you know, and a police investigation, they want four or six cops in right. trade off behind the person and they don't ever see the same car behind them. And so they don't suspect anything, but as an insurance investigator, it's just one person. And so you're constantly having to make sure you're not right behind them at a stoplight um, if they stop at a red light, you got to pull over, um, wait for the light to turn green, the light turns green. Now you go back into traffic. I mean, it's, and it's it, a cat and mouse type thing, you it know, is. and, yeah. and it, it takes a lot of skill and luck. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you're writing about this, these, I mean, do you get that adrenaline rush when you're writing? I do. I mean, yeah, I would think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. And even when I'm editing, when I'm reading it back, I go, oh my goodness. Like I'm, I've just finished book two. Just, <gasps> oh, yay. Yeah, I just did the edits on book two. So, and, and this is Madison Kelly continued. Yes. Oh, good. All right. And the same characters, the same main characters. Yeah. All right. And uh, so I just got the edits from my publisher and I just implemented the edits. And so I was reading it and it had been a little while because the holidays were in the way. So she'd had it for a while. So I'm reading it and I forgot some stuff I put in it. So <laughs> I'm reading and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's <laughs> really great. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, uh, I got scared. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Oh. And then I laughed. I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like I totally <laughs> forgot I had written something. I know. That's amazing when that <laughs> that's happens. Awesome. <laughs> that's great. Well, we're excited then because like, you know, Kathy said, this was really, and I know I've, I've, t- I've heard from a few listeners that have read it and they're just like, they bought it for somebody else. So it's really, it's, oh, yeah. Good to know. yeah, it's a good, it's a good book for a lot of people. You yeah. Know, I definitely I wrote it with like, I've read, I've been reading murder mysteries since, well, since Harriet the Spy. <laughs> right. And I mean, hopefully I was, there was no I, murder in that. Was there? No, I no. didn't read Harriet the Spy. No, but I should <laughs> say mysteries. I've been yeah. reading mysteries. Like Nancy Drew. Yeah. There's a few. I, you know, I never there, read but... Nancy Drew. Oh, really? I, I read all I of them. You just need to go back and reread each other's favorite. Cause I read all of those. You but did. I, I, yeah. I, oh yeah. Harriet the Spy and yeah. And the Bobsy twins, by the way. That's yeah. Like, I was really, okay. really the Hardy boys and I'm a little older, but, maybe. Uh, I went from and Nancy Drew. Harriet the Spy <laughs> to Sherlock Holmes. Like okay. I read the entire Sherlock Holmes. So did you, 
I mean, because when you're talking about your surveillance experience, which definitely you can see her experience in Anonymous, but it really harkened back to me to Sue Grafton and her character. Did you, when did you pick up Sue Grafton's novels? I'm so curious. I would say I was reading Sue Grafton before I became a private investigator. Wow. Because the locale. Yeah. And the experience and insurance investigations. I know. I was like, I, I, I don't want people, you know, I was like, I hope people don't think that I'm copying Sue Grafton, but like, <laughs> this was my life. Like literally wow. like, so where Madison lives in, at, in La Jolla at Winnensee, mm-hmm. um, I lived there. Um, but I gave myself the better apartment <laughs> because <laughs> in the bottom <laughs> Right. I, I coveted the top apartment. So I gave it to Madison. <laughs> Are you an original California girl? I am okay. born in, born and raised in California. Okay. So this leads me, Elizabeth, to my question. I, this, this book, I've only been to California a handful of times, not even a handful. Um, this book to me is like a love letter to San Diego area. Yeah. Is that, it really is. I mean, did you, did that just come well, what it is, like I said, I've been reading mystery since I was a, a child. And so I've, I don't even know how many I've read. 10,000? I don't know. I've read them all. Um, all the adult mysteries. I haven't necessarily read Nancy Drew, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I've read literally Michael Connolly, Lee Child. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the entire series of these, you mm-hmm. know, Sherlock Holmes. Um, uh, I mean, I, we could just go on and on. So I wrote a book that I would want to read which means all the things that you love about mysteries, I put them in there and I'm very methodical when I'm writing. So I have, my first draft is a, a Microsoft Excel document and I <laughs> thought out every single scene in the book, every single one, what's going to happen, uh, what clue she's going to find, uh, what is going to be a red herring, what I want the reader to think is happening, but it's not really happening. And I can then move those around if, if it's not working. So I make sure at page five, the person doesn't want to put the book down. Page 25, they don't want to put the book down. Um, like it's, it's very methodical. Then I sit down and I just write like a house on fire. And I write each of those scenes out. And I put in some lyricism because I, I like pretty words and I like, you know, so, but I don't want so much lyricism that it slows the book down. I want someone to just sit down. Like you said, you read it in 20 hours. That was my intention. I don't want people yeah. to put the book down. So mm-hmm. when it comes to locale, I love when I'm reading a book, when they take me to the place where they are, mm-hmm. I love that. And you get to uh, experience another location. So all the places are real except for, um, if something bad happened at the place, I invented it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, all the places are real. All the places Madison goes are all real. You could go there and see them. I just, I, you know, I thought the surfer culture and the, um, all the restaurants, I could just feel it. And for me in South Dakota, when it was snowing last weekend, this was a, such a great escape read. Yay. But what I'm dying to know is, do you surf and does your dog does my dog surf? Yeah. Huh. No, my dog does not surf. I don't <laughs> surf. I body surfed when I was younger. So uh, when I was younger, we lived in the Los Angeles area. And um, so I would um, go to the beach, like, and also it was uh, a safer air, a time, I guess, or else we were just stupider. I don't know. But I would go by myself at nine years old to oh the beach. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Or with my girlfriend at nine years old, we would go to the mall the entire day and, you know, cell phones, no pagers. 
I mean, just be back by dark, you know? And so we lived in Santa Monica, which is a beach town. And so I would go to the beach every day. I would go body surfing every day. And then I did date someone that was a surfer. So, um, I, I was very much a part of the surfer culture. Like I admire it. And so I put that into the book. I love that. I thought that was a good element to the, to the guys in the story. You know, oh, different. I really thought that was a really just subtle kind of like, oh, you know, they could be aggressive if they wanted to, or they could be this, or they, I thought that was so, but you also did, you know, it wasn't just the aggressive nature. It was their ceremonies, you know, if somebody passes and I just thought you did a great job of coloring the experience of this book with California. So thank yeah. you. And thank you. Well, yeah, and I I'm, I was kind of the same in Florida, you know, I hung out with the surfers, didn't surf much, but, <laughs> but got to know them, you know, that's kind of fun. Yeah, and I think maybe having the heart of a writer, which I've had since I was a child, I actually recently found my SAT score. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was going through old things to throw out stuff and I found my SAT scores and I took the SATs when I was 16 um, because I, I skipped third grade and then I graduated high school early on top of it all. So I was going to college when I was 16. So I took my SATs and I didn't realize it, but you know, you, they, they want you to put what your intended major is. And I put creative writing. Oh, I had no, I, I was like, okay, I guess I have wanted to do this for a long time. <laughs> that was 40 years ago. So, um, I, I was like, okay, anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Creative writing and... Um... I don't know, but I will ask you a question about that I've been curious about. Okay. So when you went back to school later as an adult PI, yeah. here's the thing I wanted to know. I mean, obviously you see lots of non-traditional students, you know, meaning people who come back later in life and you have conversations, right? With people you meet. My, my, here's my idea is I'm thinking to myself, Elizabeth goes back to school, gets her English degree and they're like, oh, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a PI. And they're like, What? <laughs> Is that how it went? You mean like the other kids? Yeah. Say other kids, like I'm a kid. Like um, the other students, let's say. Yeah, the other students. Uh, I made, you know what? I made great friends that I still have. Hmm. I mean, that was uh, where we're in 2021. So that was a while yeah. ago now. I finished, so it was like six years ago. They're still my friends. Hmm. And they That's were great. just, I, I pick up the greatest people. I like interesting people. Um, I like eccentric people. And uh, so- these are just great people. We'd have parties at my house and not beer bong parties, not like <laughs> cultured. I mean, we're all in the writing program. Yeah. You yeah, had specialty drinks. We did. Yeah. We, did. I mean, we had beer, but they were probably some special Heineken's or something. Yeah. I don't even drink beer, but some special kind of brewery beer, you know, and we would have barbecues and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, because I would, what the funny part would be, someone who wasn't my friend who just sat next to me was going, we have so much reading to do by, it was like the end of the week. So Thursday or something. He was like, we have so much reading to do by Tuesday. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. And I was like, do you work? And he's like, no, <laughs> I said, I'm getting on a plane in an hour and I'm going to be gone. I was going to be in Idaho following someone for the next four days. And I'm going to have to do that reading by the time I get back. But I feel for you without your job and your reading assignment. Yeah, <laughs> like, 
So, but it was, that was the kind of thing that made me realize I appreciate, cause I went to junior college when I was 16 for a semester or two, but then I was an actress actually. So oh. I was taking professional acting classes and I wanted to do that. And so I left my junior college, um, but I'm glad I, and I actually had gotten accepted to a, a university and I didn't go then. And I'm glad I didn't because I so appreciated it now. Yeah. After you've had to work. Because yeah. I did go back to graduate school myself after working for a while. And I was like, oh my God, this is so easy because I <laughs> knew how to, like, I, I studied because it was easier than work the first yeah. time around. I didn't study because that was work, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you and just kind of have a more respect, you know? I really enjoyed studying. I enjoyed learning. I, I want to go. I would love to go. I actually got accepted to CU Boulder Graduate School, the MFA program um, in creative writing, but uh, just everything got in the way. So I, I didn't, I wasn't able to accept, but I, I would love to do that. Now you I can just, teach there. Uh, not with my <laughs> bachelor's degree. I think I need a PhD to- They'll to, give you an honorary after you sell your first million or oh, something. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> okay, you guys, it's time for us to each take a drink and then okay. it's time for the okay. question in the bottle. So um, Elizabeth, what this is, is just kind of a, a question that you might get to at the end of a bottle at the end of a, an evening. Oh, it's funny. It's a fun question. If you don't like it, pass. No big okay. deal. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you eat food that's past its expiration date if it still smells and looks fine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends how far, because I know that they're being uh, conservative with those expiration dates. So right. it depends how far past. I mean, and what a, food, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's a month past, no, it's not <laughs> worth it. But if it's like two days past, yeah. She'll okay. gamble at two to three days. It's a gamble. Yeah, because I know that they, they really, they are being conservative because they don't want right. to get sued for food poisoning. Right. And it's, it's the difference. Like if it's pickles, I mean, come on, it's pickled. It's right? already pickled. Yeah. Right. But if it's like milk, ugh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a random one. <laughs> I need to go through my refrigerator. That's what that question makes me think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, um, one of the things I absolutely loved about this book was there are so many really good reviews for it from a lot of the kind of insiders in the mystery world, John Land um, said, Anonymous is an emotionally wrought, angst-riddled, drop-dead, terrific tale cut squarely from the cloth of Lisa Gardner and Harlan Copen. I know that was incredible. I was so blown away by that. I mean, that is and completely <laughs> legitimate, but that is a wonderful review. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite is from Thomas Perry who I also love. Um, I'm a huge fan of his and his is on the cover of your book. He said, this is the, this is the way the start of a terrific series, but Thomas shows up in the book as well. <laughs> and in your acknowledgements, which I love reading that you just had a generous, lovely thanking the authors who have influenced you, which I thought was so nice. I don't know that I've read that from other authors' acknowledgments pages. So anyway, I wanted to ask you about Thomas Perry, specifically why I included him. Okay. And how important are mentors and 
you know, other members of the Mr. Redders community supporting you as a new author? Okay. So Thomas Perry, I'm glad you asked me about him. I adore him. So, and, and it has a great sort of tie-in. So I was living in La Jolla in the nineties and I was at Warwick's bookstore uh, who did my book launch. This is how it becomes just such an interesting tie-in. And I also mentioned Warwick's in like the first five pages. Is, of yeah. book. Warwick's is the greatest bookstore. Um, and they've been there since the 1800s or something. It's a family owned, like the longest family owned bookstore in the United States. Wow. So, um, they had a stand. So I went to the mystery section, obviously. I was looking for a mis- new mystery book and they had a um, staff picks section. And there was a Thomas Perry book called Dance for the Dead, a Jane Whitefield novel of, in the Jane Whitefield series. Anyone that doesn't know, Jane Whitefield is a half Native American, half Caucasian girl who takes people that are in trouble out of their life and makes them appear someplace else using private investigating skills and her Native American sensibilities and spirituality. Oh my God, it's the greatest character. So I had never heard of this. So I pick up the book and I'm reading the first page and she's standing in a courthouse and um, there's two big men coming toward her and she's holding her purse like she's gonna swing her purse at them. And I'm thinking, I am not gonna read a book (laughs) where some girl is swinging her purse at two huge bruisers. Like that is gonna make a difference. And I thought, well, let me just keep reading. And what she did was the guy goes to punch her and he, she grabs his arm with the strap of her purse and using his momentum, swings him to the side and throws him into the wall. And I was in (laughs) like, yes, please. Where do I buy? Bring me up. So I bought that book, Dance for the Dead. Like I'm, I'm selling his book more than mine in this podcast. <laughs> anyway, I've read that book six times. I love that book so much. I've read the entire series probably two or three times. It's probably time to start to read it again. So I went to a book reading of Thomas Perry's at uh, in La Jolla about when I was going to college. So somewhere in the last five years. And I struck up an acquaintanceship with him about, you know, just I want to write a book. And his wife, Joe Perry, who's also a writer, Uh, I said, you know, I want to write a series. And I think I was already writing about Madison in my college classes. And I said to her, but I don't know if I'm going to do that. And she said, write what you know, which I'm sure you've heard before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, I definitely know about insurance investigations. (laughs) And so that sort of got me solidified that that is what I should do. And we've kept up our acquaintanceship. So when my book was coming out, I wrote him and said, would you read it? And, and if you like it, write a blurb. And he said, I will read it. I can't promise I will like it. And if I don't like it, I can't write a blurb. And I said, obviously. And then he wrote me a blurb. Yay! He liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hugely supportive to have that, to have that from other authors, obviously, because, you know, you need a leg up and um, they have had such an influence on me. You know, I've read so many that fortunately I'm, I've, I've got my own style. I've got my own voice. I'm not like, you know, if I'd only read Sue Grafton or I had only read Thomas Perry, I, I might be writing like them, but I've read such a diverse, you know, but they, they're all infused in me, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, yeah, there you go. Great. Oh, that's wonderful. Love it. I love it. And we're so, and like you said, we're, we're excited that you're doing a series and, um, 
so on your way through this, um, you know, mm-hmm. this is a debut book and the next one's going to be coming out, but can you kind of maybe what a, a big lesson you might've learned in the last year? I mean, or what are some of your takeaways that you could give to new writers on oh, yeah. you know, starting out and writing yeah. a series? <clears throat> For sure. Let's see. Um, yeah, I have a really good one, which I kind of knew ahead of time. And so it, it has helped me through this process because I've had some highs and lows. Uh, I got my literary agent from the slush pile, you know, sent out queries, but it wasn't for anonymous. It was for an earlier Madison book. And uh, I got my lovely A lurk words and um, she sent out my first book to 25 publishers and they said no. 25 no's over a year and a half. Let me tell you, that was brutal. I mean, there is nothing worse than being on submission. Honestly, there is nothing worse. And uh, you're just waiting and then you get a response and it's no. And you're like, oh, but um, so what I did is I wrote a different book with a different plot, same characters. And it sold in a week, in a week. Wow. Wow. On a preamp. What do you, what do, what's your feeling on that? Just the, it just wasn't the right time for that first one or what do you think? I think was? it wasn't the right time. Um, I think maybe the first plot had maybe a little controversial stuff in it that maybe it was like, if you've got a debut author and some controversial stuff, I don't know, we want to go over there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I wrote Anonymous, I was like, oh, this is so much better <laughs> than the first book. Like it was just better. It was a better yeah. book, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but I don't think Abby would have taken me if the book hadn't been good. You know, it was good. Right. You're, she wouldn't have it taken me. It just wasn't. So I think timing that time, and, yeah. and the plot just wasn't the greatest or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I'd kind of like to revisit that plot, you know, at some point. Yeah. But, Keep that. Um, so did you, did you kind of get a, a game plan then with your agent? Like, all right, I'll, I'll just do something new. And she's like, I'll, I'm going to stick with you on this. Or did you guys converse about that? Yeah. I mean, she, she said, I just said, I'll write something else. And she said, okay. And I mean, I didn't know, like, it took me a while to write. Um, it doesn't take me a while to write it. I write really fast. It took me a while to get around to where I could write it. <laughs> mm-hmm. you well, you know, like it was brutal to, to, to hear 25 no's over it took a year and a half you know mm-hmm. to say, to have that all those no's so i think what i was going to say about my advice is that when i hear on twitter from a lot of writers they don't realize that this is a business they're only thinking about i've written a beautiful book and it's like yeah i wrote a beautiful book too but it's a business and you have to think of it as a business and um you have to think of it in terms of people are trying to make money off of this. And mm-hmm. so you'll hear writers say, well, agents are just gatekeepers and they're trying to keep me away from getting a good deal. And it's like, no, they're not. They're desperate for a good book that they can sell and make money off of because when you make money, they make money. And the publishers are desperate for the next great book. So no one is against you here. They're right. all working to, to find that next great book. So if you give it to them, they will, they will take you. So if they're not taking you, either you're not presenting the book properly in your query and you need an editor to look at your query, or maybe your book's not good enough. Like in my case, <laughs> the first book, you know, right. so, um, so. And it's a timing thing too, you know, it's what's hot and what's not. And, you know, you never yeah, know. And it could have been the first book could have just been timing and, you know, we could bring that plot back with no changes and it could get sold, you know, who mm-hmm. knows, but they just didn't. And so there, and I think that's the thing. It's like, you can't 
cry over, they don't want me, you know, mm -hmm. what I used to, cause people would say, oh, that must be really rough. And I would say, yeah, but I can't fault the market. I can't get right. mad at the market. No. You know, they didn't want it. It didn't sell. I didn't have a marketable book for whatever reason, mm -hmm. I didn't have a marketable book, you mm -hmm. know? So it, it keeps you from getting, uh, well, it keeps you from giving up. First of right. all, <laughs> that's but the biggest also, thing. I think people, yeah. a lot of times do give up or, you know, and then yeah. you never know. You, you know? never know what might've happened. Yeah. And, and I do books. believe that I was a very good writer before I got my bachelor's degree in writing, but oh my God, was I a better writer after my bachelor's degree. <laughs> right. So there is something to be said for learning and yes. studying, even if it's not a, a, university program, you know, however, you know, if it's an online writing, well, you program. could do like Kathy and I, I mean, we go to conferences and then we, you know, we've been doing this, we met at a conference, but we're like, you know, we hear of a workshop, we go to that. Every time we hear another person speak, we're like, oh my gosh, we got to re-edit. We, we learn something new, you know? Yeah. There's, yeah. There's always things to learn, but I, I, I think one of the skills to learn is this is a business in addition to being a creative endeavor. Yeah. And yep. um, I think that's a very wise piece of advice. Uh, one th more thing before we start wrapping up, I'm so curious and I really admired you, including, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Okay. Madison's health journey. I thought okay. was so um, riveting to read about for the character, oh. but I also thought it made her so vulnerable and tough at the same time. Yep. Oh, and I wanted to know if you've heard back from any readers about that particular health journey, and I'm not going to give away anything. Okay, I haven't. And so I am very glad to hear that from you because that journey continues in the second book. Oh. And I was sort of wondering, like I hadn't heard back from anyone, but mm -hmm. I, I was sort of having faith in the fact that, um, it's a, it's a health journey that a lot of women are on and it does not necessarily the ins and outs that let's see, how do I put this? The, the, the boring details don't get discussed. Right. Like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yes, yes. and we could, we could use a different health journey mm -hmm. as an example, but like if someone, um, uh, let's just say someone had skin cancer, you would hear about the fact that, um, they had to have an operation on their skin and that was a big deal and everything, but you don't hear about when they look at their, their arm or their scar is. Right. That's right. And yeah, there you go. And you know, it's sort of the boring details. And I always want to add this whenever this gets brought up, this book is not an issue book. It's not, um, there's no like great big issue with her health or anything. It's just mm -hmm. part of her yeah. It's just, she has blonde hair. She has blue eyes. She's 5'11". <laughs> she had a health issue in the past. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just part of her life. And I wanted it to be like that. Not a big part of the yeah. book. No, it's not it's a part of her life. But it is so, it's such, you know, any, any health journey of any character is going to help, you know, show who they are. I just thought it made her vulnerable and so much like Ugh, fierce. But like you said, it wasn't in your, in your face, make it like all about that. It was more just, um, I now I really can see how she is and what she's been yeah. through has made her this way, you know? 
Wow. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I, cause I have gotten no feedback, so I didn't know. And that's the thing. Like when I was an actress, you're on stage, you feel the audience, you know how you're doing as a writer. I don't know if somebody doesn't tell me because I'm not in the room with them when they're reading it. Right. That's interesting. Yep. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I, we could keep doing this. And my, I seem, I have to say, my cocktail is getting a little low. It's going very <laughs> easily. In cocktail, okay. I'm saying. Um, yeah. but okay. Before we go, we've got one final question we always ask. Okay. Yes. We ask our mysterious foodies. That's what we call our listeners out there. Um, or we ask for them. Uh, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with? And what would it be? Ah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would love to share um, Mexican food with Dave. Oh, okay. well, we all would. <laughs> yeah. Dave is a, um, a, a, a conglomerate. He's a, that's not the word I'm looking for, but composite, maybe a composite. That's the word I'm Thank you. Oh. It's getting to late in the day. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've had a glass of wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's the best parts of a couple of guys. So he is a dream, Yeah, <laughs> but he's still flawed. You probably noticed that he's still, yes. Flawed. Oh, he yes, but... yeah, but I'd like to eat uh, a Mexican food with him. Sounds good. I would like Sounds to try good. <laughs> okay. So if um, our listeners have any questions about you and they want to get a hold of you maybe what's the best place do you have a social media place you mostly hang out or your website what would what would you suggest i am mostly on twitter uh which is at the blonde pi love with an e blonde with an e blonde pi but you can always go to elizabethbreck.com my social media is on there so you can find me on instagram you can find me on twitter you can find me on facebook and also, there's a contact form on the website, elizabethbreck.com, and I answer quickly. Awesome. Great. 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 Well, I got to tell you, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> me you too. Know. Um, and I think the main thing is go buy her book. It's really good. Yes, You're going to read it really too. fast. Uh, and and it's got a nice cover. I like and you that get it too. Anywhere, literally, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Uh, support your local bookstore. They yes. can always order it for you if they Warwick don't like books, you know, yeah. and um, all we have to do is say cheers. 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 Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.